Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. In a disoriented world, this is the podcast that asks what would happen if we truly put Christ at the center of our thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Opperwall. And I'm your host, Dr. Greg Weeb. Hi, Greg. Hey, man. So let's talk about conspiracy theories. All right. This was actually your suggestion. So even though I'm leading, I'm still following your lead. (laughs) You know, I think uh, once again, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. I mean, I guess obviously that's true for all these conversations. But in thinking about this uh, topic, I I feel like I, I think there's two fundamental things that are going on. And I want to get your thoughts about it and see if we can maybe figure some of these things out. One is that with conspiracy theories lately, uh, with, with all uh, the COVID business and all of that, there's, I, I've had this sense. I think you share it. I don't think it's just the two of us there. I've, you know, I've got friends at work and so forth. You know, we talk about these things and there's kind of this sense that uh, the conspiracy theorists weren't all that wrong on this one. Right. So this uh, sense that, you know, there, there's been some truth and more truth than you would think at first blush. On the other side of things, there's also something about the culture of conspiracy theory uh, that I think goes back a long way. And we can tease this out a little bit later. Um, but I think it's uh, to me, I, I think I see it as connected to ancient Gnosticism. Um, which is a which is certainly in the in this in the scheme of early Christianity and the and the subject of um, Christian demonology is certainly a kind of demonic cultural phenomenon, right? So you have these two you have these two aspects to conspiracy theories, two hunches. Let's say I've got two hunches. I don't want to uh, and and let's see what we can make of this, right? One is that like there's something going on. There seems to be something lately going on that there's something true, right? They're getting at a truth. And anytime you're getting at a truth, that's important. That's a big deal. That's worth thinking about. And on the other hand, there's something, uh, there's an aspect of it that's at least potentially kind of diabolical, misleading, right? Drawing you away from Christ. But I wonder if maybe we can open with some initial thoughts, um, about what's been going on lately, like like what your sense of your sense of uh, uh, you know, tell me a story about a conspiracy theories in 2022 and uh, and in the previous two years, uh, you know, related to COVID and 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 all this. Yeah, related to COVID or not, I mean, we're now we're now all distracted by the invasion of Ukraine as of reporting this, uh, and and that's a whole other can of worms that I actually think is kind of related. And you you had said to me earlier, early today via text, uh, you know, another another thing we could consider discussing is the the way the media changes its attention uh, from one thing to the other. Um, which I actually think is connected, but maybe we'll circle around around to that. But yeah, conspiracy theories. I I think I think there's been a bit of a spike in it of late. It seems like it. Um, you know, that said, conspiracy theories have been around forever, as as long as there's been humans. <laughs> there, you know, Roman early Romans had conspiracy theories, and uh, and one of the reasons that's true, it seems to me, is that conspiracies 
are real and have been around forever as well. <laughs> <laughs> and they absolutely happen. Uh, there's no question about it. And so, you know, that, that's already putting you in really interesting waters. Conspiracies are real. So if someone comes along and, and says it's a conspiracy, just on the basis of that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean they're wrong at all. I mean, I, right. I personally absolutely believe that Martin Luther King was, was killed by the American federal government. Um, oh, yeah, I think, okay. I think yeah. all the pieces add up and a lot of people believe that, including his family. And, uh, you know, it's just a couple pieces that seem to me to, to make that make sense. Um, the biggest one being that he seems very clearly to have known that he was about to die on his last night on earth. If you listen to his speech, maybe it's prophecy, but it's, it's the speech of a man who knows he's probably giving his last speech. That's one key thing. Uh, another thing is that we know. And it's not, um, we know for a fact that the, the FBI was assassinating American citizens during this period of time and had a big, huge file on Martin Luther King. So maybe I am wrong. It's 100% possible that that's not really what happened. But the point to be made there is that if someone comes and says that, you know, I think the FBI killed King, it's a, this is a non-crazy conspiracy theory. It's consistent with what we know factually to have been going on that the American government was taking out internal enemies around this period of time, including those involved in the civil rights movement. And so to say maybe he was one of them, absolutely non-crazy. This isn't tinfoil hat stuff. This isn't like, you know, I was abducted by aliens. <laughs> this is a, actually a perfectly reasonable <laughs> theory about what, what might have happened to him because it was a, re a relatively mysterious death. Uh, and I, th I feel like I read somewhere a, a while back that Almost everybody believes in at least one or two conspiracies. And if you think about it, you'd be crazy not to. You think there is never any, any conspiracy going on with the Canadian government or the American government? Uh, you, like, you, you think that the mafia in New York City wasn't conspiring with the city of New York to do all kinds of stuff? Then you're crazy. They were. They still are, probably. So part of the, part of the tricky, sticky thing with conspiracy theories is that conspiracies do happen. And so, and so then this leads me to the, to the other, maybe more salient observation about what I think might be going on with these is, is that when we get to a space of uncertainty, when we get to a space psychologically where we can't make sense of a situation from the data, from the information we have, it's, it's very, very distressing for us as humans. We want to know what's going on. We have a intellectual grip on what's happening and we want to have a sense of what's going to happen. And so when really weird things happen, especially politically, like, like Martin Luther King suddenly dying and, you know, in this kind of weird way or, or the way Kennedy died, you know, this lone gunman who seems to have had no motivation or whatever. Um, I, and again, I don't know, maybe Lee Harvey Oswald was the one who killed him probably was, but, it's it, it puts us in this really uncomfortable space where we're grasping, we're looking for something. And so so when someone comes along and says, here, I have the answer, and this is where there's a connection with Gnosticism. When someone comes along and says, I've got the answer, I've got the goods, I've got the real information, uh, then it's extremely, extremely attractive, like, like almost physiologically attractive to our brains and our minds, I think, when we're in this scenario of uncertainty and, and therefore fear. And we will grasp on to, to somebody who's selling us the knowledge that the gnosis falsely so-called uh, of the real inside scoop and then 
we, we grab onto it really tight, I think. And I think that COVID and in the last couple of years have been a situation where so much is going on that feels unprecedented in our lifetimes. So much is happening that doesn't make sense. Um, there's, there's so many enormous gaps in knowledge that it makes conspiracy theories very, very appealing. Uh, now, the, the reason there are those gaps is, you know, maybe something we should meditate on for the rest of the episode. But I don't I think that's the core of it. Right. Like it has it, like it has to do with coherence. Right. If when you when you have. Well, again, I think there are two there are two aspects to this, because on the one hand, what kind of the kind of thing you're talking about, right, when you have um, these sort of disparate events, things out of the ordinary things happening that you that are difficult to make sense of on the face of things is ripe air it's is ripe era uh, area for uh the development of conspiracy theories right when things don't cohere when they don't hang together someone who comes someone who comes along and says there's a hidden logic mm-hmm. right there is a coherence to it that you just can't see at the surface is yep. really compelling i also think like for that very reason my own sense is that you can read them the other way around, right? When you wind up, when you see, like an, a good example of this is flat earthism, right? So in the last half decade or so, my timeline might be a little skewed. Anyways, in the last five, 10 years, we've had this, you know, huge resurgence uh, for whatever reason of flat earthism, and it's like, why? What's going on? And my sense is that it's exactly a kind of uh, canary in the coal mine sort of situation. What, that these that the return of that the return of weird, you know, weird, whatever. The return of conspiracy theories or the proliferation of conspiracy theories is a kind of flag that that coherence has broken down, that trust is being lost, right? And so in that particular case, my sense, my sense with flat earthism has been like, you know, put, put aside, you know, put aside the kind of argumentation for a moment, uh, uh, put aside the actual question of is, is the earth flat or is it? A, and the answer uh, is that the earth is round. Earth. So we can put aside that question easily because it's, it's easily answered. Oblate spheroid. Well, no, I mean, and in fact, uh, well, part of the, part of the, part of the, part of the issue is like round from whose perspective. Um, and it may, and it may be, it may be worth, um, it may be worth talking a little bit more about that, but the idea, the, 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 the first point I want to sort of draw up is that, there's all. There's also this. I have this suspicion that when you see this proliferation of conspiracy theories, the question of what they're arguing about aside, it just seems to flag that there's an issue. Right? There's an issue here. There's been a breakdown of trust, and in that particular case, it's it's something like the breakdown of, uh, as far as I can tell, the breakdown of trust in the scientific community. Right? Something has been going on with this the scientism of our culture that has started started to pull apart right and the and the people sort of most at a particular vantage point uh you know lose trust in the system and say you know what actually everyone is completely misleading us
Yeah, I, I think that's that's exactly right. But what conspiracy th- theorists of that type, what a flat earth theorist, so to speak, the mistake I think they're making is um, that they haven't given up their trust enough, maybe, is a way to put it. Like an ins- insufficiency of skepticism. Because when you look at modern science and you start to dig a little deeper into what happens and you start to realize it kind of begins to dawn on you that all of the absolute, you know, certain scientific orthodoxies of today, uh, any number of them will be ridiculed and mocked like we do phlogiston theory 10 or 20 years from now. You know, it was, it was not long ago that people thought atomic theory was a joke uh, and that obviously matter is a continuous substance. And, you know, it was the revolution with Einstein and um, um, Bohr who really kind of came along and, and won the day for atomic theory. And now we think of all those people who, who are totally convinced by continuous matter as being just these, you know, Luddite fools, you know, uh, such idiots. But they were the dominant, they were the mainstream, they were the consensus, uh, which is interesting to see, see today too, because with COVID, with, with all kinds of other issues, global warming, um, we see so many arguments r- right now from consensus. Well, this is the scientific consensus. This is the consensus on the matter. And, you know, within the scope of how science is supposed to work, consensus doesn't really matter. Consensus is precisely the ideal of science is that you precisely can can shatter the consensus by having better data. Bohr or, or Einstein come along and you know prove it, prove the point. And the consensus was wrong. The consensus that you know candles go out because of phlogiston was wrong. And when someone has the right data and the right information, so when you when you realize this, when it dawns on you that the scientific process, you're kind of inside a certain sort of box and that we haven't figured everything out. We haven't even figured out much at all. It's a, it's a big blow. And so you go grasping for something. And what I see happening with something like flat earth is you, you take that problem and then you overgeneralize, but then you forget that the, the guy on the internet forum, you know, whoever Q is, I don't know if Q is a flat earth or whatever, but He's also just some person. It, do you have any grounds to trust that other person? It, and, and this is where I was saying about the psychological discomfort of your real situation. Your real situation is that science gets stuff wrong all the time. Consensus isn't how science is done. Huge percentages of papers that get published are garbage science done per, entirely so that academics can put stuff on their CVs uh, that are not repeatable, that are f- fatally, horrifically flawed in their study design. And so you get all kinds of information that isn't right. There's also, and on top of that, there's unknowns, right? Early in COVID, you know, people, people will say, well, see, early in COVID, they told us not to wear masks. And then they told us to wear a mask. Oh, which is it? You'll pick the lane. The scientists are idiots. Uh, and that's a, a situation where it's the scientists are not idiots necessarily. It's just that this is a brand new virus. And they just simply did not know. And they were just guessing. And if you read carefully what they were saying, they were telling you that. Um, but, but so that's the reality. Science is, it's, you know, it's a thing. It doesn't have all the answers. It's kind of seeking for certain kinds of answers to certain kinds of questions, but it's always a process. It's always flawed. It always has humans involved. And then, so people find themselves in that incredibly uncomfortable psychological situation and they cannot stand it. 
And so they grab the next thing and say, well, maybe, maybe everybody else is lying, except apparently these people who say that the earth is flat. So I'm just going to trust them because I have to trust somebody. But I think the reality, if you face it, if you face it squarely, is that there are enormous, there's just so much that you cannot know. You cannot know with certainty. And it's incredibly difficult to dwell in that space. To, to hold your face up and, and look right at that kind of fearful, dark, black kind of nothingness of your own knowledge and just stay there staring at the abyss. It's, it's almost psychologically impossible. So people turn and run and they run by grabbing the, the opposite thing. And now they're believing things that in many cases are even more cockamamie and, and crazy than... The latest scientific theory. I mean, I think it's significant that in the case of flat earthism, like the, 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 the flat earth theory as a contrary theory, as a theory contrary to the sort of dominant scientific imagination accords more with, with like your actual lived experience, right? Like you experience the word, the world as flat prior to experiencing it as a globe. And in fact, you don't really have experience of it as a globe. Uh, unless you've taken a really long flight or something. I mean, I, I flew from New York to Hong Kong once and there's absolutely no explaining what I experienced <laughs> on that flight other than that the earth is, is right. ba- basically a globe. I realize it's not a perfect sphere or whatever, but you know, it's right, it, right, right. It effectively a sphere. Uh, if the earth were flat, I, I could make zero sense of that. But most of us don't take no, the that's longest right. flight on the planet Earth and go literally over the North Pole in Siberia. And, and if and if you think about how how you know heavily uh, heavily motivated, for example, um, the climate change um, conversation is like the like a lot of a lot of dominant conversation uh, is is um, built on this perspective of the of the world that's not immediately available to you and is in fact really far abstracted and we're and we're being told right we're being told that the shape of the earth um is this th- is this right the earth is a shape that's only really accessible if you stand so far out that you're that you're somewhere where people can't in fact live right people can't dwell and they can hardly, you know, a, a precious few humans have actually been far enough away from the earth to see um, the entirety of the earth. But yeah, no, I, I take your point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's, so you have to, you know, so you have to kind of, you have to, you have to f- imagine this kind of fictive position out in space where you can turn around and look back on this place where you live and see its quote unquote true shape. Um, and it's, and it's this thing that's, that winds up being alienating, right? So that, so that when, when, when the trust in the science, scientific imagination breaks down, the scientific imagination that sort of has to assume this, this place out in space where things are as they really are about the earth, right? Where the shape of the earth is obvious, um, that, that, you know, you say, well, this can't, this, you know, if this can't be trusted, then what? Then what's going to make more sense than that? The Earth is flat, right? Like that. There's a kind of there's a kind of logic to it that that prioritizes, you know, so, you know, that says science is, um, science is asking me to put its put to put my trust in it, um, 
Um, but it's, but it's trying to exist in a place where no humans can exist and where I am, the earth is flat. And let me tell you, I'm in the Red River Valley. Uh, like there are very few places on earth that are flatter than where I live. <laughs> it's insane. It's right? insane. It's I've bonkers seen it, flat around here. It blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I think I, I said to the person I was with, uh, the only thing I've ever seen this flat was being on a boat in the middle of Lake here on an absolute dead calm. It's, it's astonishing. Uh, but yeah, but I think that there's like, there's a desire. I mean, it's because it's also wrapped up in our, our distrust of authority right now. Because for most people, for most people, the notion that the earth is round comes from authority. So you're just told that. Oh yeah, precious few people can actually do the calculations. Yeah, well, that is, I saw a documentary, this was years ago, about some of these flat earth folks that ended very interestingly with a group of them actually getting out, had built some of the equipment to like take a measurement uh, and it was something about how you'd start, you have a light at a certain point, you know, across a river and, and then you'd stand across the other side and they were far enough away that the light should, should kind of drop and like be lower than the expected point if the earth is round. Right. And they went and they did the experiment themselves, you know, no trust for the others who said, I did this experiment and it shows the earth is round. And, uh, and it was the, the film ended with them getting, several times exactly the result that you should expect if the earth is round and being like, Oh, you know, Hmm, like what do we do? <laughs> uh, but I, I bring that up because, um, there's like, there's something almost admirable in a certain way about people being like, you know, these authorities have, they have lied to us. They lied to us all the time. Our governments, uh, and e even scientists and even public health officials, like I said earlier on, conspiracies do happen and propaganda happens all the time, all the time in like every culture and society ever, including our own. And so you look at these people and be like, well, just cause you said it, I mean, well, so the hell what? Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to go, go out and do it myself. Um, like, I don't think that's all bad as an instinct instinct, but the problem is like I was saying before, it's also not all good because ultimately there's very, very, very few things that you could possibly believe without some kind of reference to some sort of authority, you're really stuck. It's not a comfortable place to be because those authorities could be lying, but you also can't escape them. And this, I think, is exactly to some degree why people go, well, you know, these authorities are all lying. So maybe this guy Q on the internet is the one who isn't. Maybe he's got the truth. I'm going to go over there and listen to him. Now, again, you're just taking an authority, but, but not the one that's burned you before. Uh, and it's this like desperate unfounded hope that this person who, who hasn't hurt me in the past might be finally the one. You know, it's like a jilted lover. Well, and in fact, like there is, there is nothing you can, there's nothing you can know, quote unquote, without, without trust or without faith, right? Without reliance on authority, right? There's nothing. I mean, I was doing like even the, the very city that I live in and you don't even have to go that far. Well, I remember doing this little thought experiment with some students and it's like, 
you know, think about you're in Winnipeg or you're in, in a university, like there are places on this university that you have never gone to and will never go to. There's been also, there's boiler rooms, there's like all sorts of mechanical rooms and janitor's closets and that you count and assume correctly. So you assume that they're there. Yeah. Um, you assume that, that the janitorial staff are doing something like you feel the heat and you, and you figure I that I don't believe in janitors. <laughs> I don't believe in night janitors. Like I've never seen one. <laughs> well, right, right. You know, and, and like there, you know, there are things, there's all sorts of things in existence that you simply don't have access to. Yep. Um, and that you rely on, on the witness of others to, to attest to their existence. Yeah. And it's, and that's, it's really uncomfortable. We take it for granted, but at the same time, I mean, I think we should take, we, we shouldn't be too quick to treat flat earthers or whoever, uh, even QAnon to some degree as just radical idiots. Right. That's sort of my point. Yeah. I mean, what they're doing, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of rationality to it and it's, it's scientific in a lot of ways. I mean, flat earth it is anyway to say, you know, I, I don't just believe it because you said it or because there was a paper published. Like I need to see it, the experiment repeated. I mean, that's actually kind of the ideal of science, isn't it? Maybe we should all be flat earthers until we run our own experiments and see them with our own eyes. Right. And I think like, so this is getting at, I think one of the core questions or what, one of the core sort of tangles of issues, because, you know, you have, because a human life cannot be lived without some sort of, uh, relation trust relation yep and without a kind of without and not just like here and there but in fact really the very the very structure of of human existence and living fundamentally constitutively depends on trust yeah right uh like it's built into how language works right you about a kind of trust that uh, the sounds that I make with my mouth are, are, uh, you know, potentially meaningful, uh, to anybody who might hear them, who speaks the same language, like the whole, it goes all the way down. Um, so you have, you have human existence, which is fundamentally predicated on faith, on trust, right? Um, but at the same time, we have, uh, we have a culture that, very much says you should question, you should question authority. Don't believe everything you read. Um, you know, the, uh, the tradition, the tradition is fallible. You might need to overturn it. There's the possibility of revolution. Um, you know, we should be, we should be critical. You should have, you should learn how to think critically. Um, and so forth. Well, at the same time, our culture is also very scientific and we talk as though, um, scientific theory, you know, that the work of science, you know, produces things that then, uh, are certain or something like that, right? We talk, but we talk as though, uh, science is all about attaining certainty. Like it's a real, it's a real, uh, it's a real mashup of contradictions. But science doesn't produce that kind of certainty. I mean, it, it can produce repeatability. 
But for for a typical person, this includes absolutely all scientists. Like the huge majority of what you think is true, you you did do you didn't do those experiments yourself. You know, you believe them. You believe them because they were published in a journal and you trusted it, and a thousand other people cited it, and they all say that they repeated it and got the same result. And you trust them that, and you sh- you probably should. I mean, for most things, you know, um, it, that's not a critique of that. It's it's just your point that like you will be engaging in a discourse of of trust. Um, but I think, I mean, to kind of come back to, to this, uh, cause I'm quite interested in this, how, how the demonic and the angelic sort of function in all this, it strikes me that they run v- very close together <laughs> in this work of discernment. Uh, because you, if you just believe everything that the Canadian federal government says and claims, I'm sorry, you're nuts and you're being deluded by you know demonic patterns it's a demonic pattern they lie sometimes maybe even often we know there are there are conspiracies in the canadian federal government to uh, embezzle money and you know whatever build power plants for kickbacks and all the kinds of stuff that happens in any government if you think that everything that your politicians are saying to you is just the, <laughs> the unfurnished truth you're out of your mind, right? Uh, that's a that's a kind of a demonic. But if you think that, uh, but but if you if you allow the psychological discomfort of of just having to live with not knowing a lot of things, having to live with all kinds of questions that are unanswered, if you live with that discomfort, if if you run too hard from that discomfort, if you're too afraid, you can end up googling shit all night until you believe that there's a conspiracy in the United States to suck the blood out of tortured children. And you can become the guy who showed up at pizza planet. I think it was. And with a AK or whatever weapon he had and shot off the, the lock to the door that was supposed to lead to the basement where these horrible things were happening in the hopes of saving the children to find, I believe a couple computer servers or something. Cause obviously this wasn't going on, but like I, it's a pattern that like, I can see how that happens. I have a lot of sympathy for that poor guy, like out of this distrust, out of this anger and out of this fear, fundamentally fear that stuff is going on that I don't know about stuff is happening in back rooms uh, in, that I don't know about. And I just going down that rabbit hole, getting sucked into the Google sphere, thinking that somehow if you just Google long enough, you'll find what you'll find the truth. Like it's out there on the internet and thinking he's discovered it and then taking action that if it were, if it all were true is absolutely the right thing to do. You should bust in there and save those freaking children by whatever means necessary. And so now you're also in a demonic space and that's the kind of more Gnostic, almost a cult demonic space that has that 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 feeling of you know yeah that kind of a cult feel to it um it's it's boy is it a tricky needle to thread eh yeah i mean how do you thread it i mean because one of the things one of the things that christians are in agreement with is that uh, there's something else going on than it seems at first blush yes right uh we have it in our scriptures that that the world belongs to the devil, that that it's un, under the under the reign of the prince of the powers of the air. Um, and what is that except a kind of claim that you know the, the world is full of of so much 
busyness and attempt to uh, gain and and you know political machinations and all and you know the satisfaction of desires and all of whatever goes on in the world that all winds up you know manifesting this deeper pattern that is you know self-serving and demonic right it's the christianity is very much a claim that the world is upside down which was the claim of the gnostics uh, right, the world is upside down, and so, and so, the truth is going to require you to invert yourself. It's going to require you to to turn to turn your life upside down in order to see things rightly. Um, but so, how do you, you know, so how do you tell which is which? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, man, because if the Gnostics come along, right, they're sort of snake oil salesmen. Let's say, see, I've got the key. Yeah, the world is crazy. You can't, you can't trust the authorities. Uh, you know, it's in the grip of of Satan. I've got the key to to how you escape, get out of it. And sometimes it's you know literally a password to get into heaven. Uh, and so, okay, you just, this is how cults happen. It's all it's all part of the same kind of phenomenon. You you go believe, um, you know, what's his name down in South America, J- Jim Jones or. Uh, or whatever, you know, and it's the same gripping onto someone who's coming along and saying, see, I can get you out of this. Um, and <laughs> this is the thing, you know, in a lot of ways, the church isn't so different, is it? No, that's I mean, right. That's, that's what we're saying, isn't it? That is what we're saying. That's right. So, <laughs> maybe we're just as deluded as anybody, guy. Greg. I know this guy, <laughs> his name is Jesus. He can get you out of this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting that Jesus kind of didn't make that claim himself. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And maybe important, but I, but you sound like you had another point there. No, well, no, I mean, this, uh, this is exactly, you know, this is exactly what we want to talk about. Um, yeah. I was sort of, I was tr- trying to get some thoughts together beforehand and looking at um, confessions and maybe we'll, you know, so this is one of the things in the background, Augustine's confessions, but he talks, he talks about the Manichees as madmen, exceedingly carnal and talkative people, madmen, exceedingly carnal and talkative people, uh, which I, which I like as a description, right? There's a kind of chatter. Uh, like a description of us? Uh, of the description of the Manichees, of the Gnostics. Yeah, of the, I'm just of saying, the, is that, is that a description of you and me too, Greg and Dan? <laughs> madmen? Check. Madmen? Exceedingly <laughs> carnal? Uh, now that it's Lent, let's be honest. Probably, probably. <laughs> and talkative. And talkative, oh boy. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, so they're exceedingly carnal. Is that, is that the point you're trying to pull out of there? Oh, uh, well, this this kind of the 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 the, the talkative, the talkative, the, the chattery, like the... Um, you know, lots, you know, talking about snake oil, snake oil salesmen, right? Like they've got that there's this, uh, uh, well, on, on the one hand, on the one hand, talkative, right? Like there's, there's always another explanation, right? There's always another explanation for, for, for how, um, and you think about the kind of argumentation of the, of the flat earthers or the, or, or whatever, right. Any argument you have, well, like, no, like this is, you know, fl- flight paths don't really work unless, you know, circumstances are such, but there's always a, there's always a slight change of talk topic, right. There's a, oh, there's always a bit of a, a goalpost shift, right. Why, why can't I see, have you ever looked up the flat earth explanation for why I can't see the sun when it goes down? <laughs> 
I have you wanna, not. You want to talk about something convoluted, my man? <laughs> I just have heard about the spotlight theory. That's all. Yeah. Well, but it's it's really problematic. Um, <laughs> but, but but this is your point. Like you end up doing these these wild acrobatics, and all of a sudden you're at these heights of irrationality to defend a thing that all started because you didn't really trust the authorities, and that wasn't that wasn't the crazy part. But now you've backed yourself into a corner intellectually, and you're you're really stuck. Um, but we all kind of do that, though. That's that's sort of the problem. It does raise the question of of what the difference is. Well, we're right and they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is something really important in the assertion of the Gospels and of Christianity that this is going to make you the opposite of powerful. That that seems very compelling to me. Gnosticism, there has, it seems like it's interconnected with me with this notion that the knowledge that we have is going to give you mastery. Um, the, you know, the knowledge of the witchcraft, and we might be doing an episode coming up uh, about neo-paganism and witchcraft. So I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but um, the witchcraft is giving, is going to give you the power, the mastery, the control. Um, Gnosticism is going to give you a kind of mastery of your own destiny and fate, you know, in the afterlife or whatever it is, um, you know, following me is going to do these things. And the gospel and the new Testament really seem to be promising you the complete opposite. It's like, you're going to suffer. You're going to become a servant. You're going to be transformed into nobody. Uh, The last are going to be the first. Uh, You want to find your savior. Look at the poorest, filthiest, stinkiest street person that you can find. That's the best icon of Jesus Christ that you'll ever see. Uh, That's him, you know. Uh, where is his body and blood? The simplest foods that existed in that culture and in any culture, really bread and wine in a, you know, together. Um, there's something to me that's really important about that. The, the deliberate inversion on the part of the gospels and on the part of the new Testament to, to say, it, it, and to this, to the people of Israel, you're expecting a kingdom that's going to be an empire. You're expecting that kind of salvation. There's a kind of there's a kind of Gnosticism to that. You're expecting a kingdom that gives you control and power and earthly security forever with a, with a one King David after the next after the next, who's just this great powerful leader who will keep you safe, and and uh, you know and that's going to be the Messiah. And these gospel authors and and the the rest of the New Testament authors come along and say, no, you know where it really was was this this common criminal executed on a cross, the equivalent of me saying, you know, you know who the real King is, is a guy who just got killed in an electric chair in Florida. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Like that inversion, I think it's a big piece of why I'm drawn to trust the Christian tradition, the real Christian tradition. (laughs) Uh, you know, people do a lot of things with Christianity. They do a lot of things, things with the gospel, but um, I'm pretty convinced that this is what 
this is really, really, really at the heart of what the gospel authors and the, uh, are, are trying to do to precisely reverse these expectations. Whereas Gnosticism, cults, these sorts of things, they really tend to do the opposite. They tend to make you feel like you have power and control. Uh, the more I dive into the gospel, the more terrified I feel about how, how much I'm just, I'm in the hands of God and I don't have control and I don't know. Yeah, it's quite right. It's it winds up uh, painting a very different picture. This is why Nietzsche hated the gospel so much, right? It's the the slave yeah. morality or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it doesn't do what he wants, and I think most he wants the Ubermensch, and I think most cults and conspiracy theories promise you that you will either, if not, you might become the Ubermensch yourself, or or you're going to associate yourself with the Ubermensch. Yeah, there's certainly. Yeah, there's there's a kind of picture of power, I suppose. Yeah, what I if mean, I, well, go ahead. I was going to say, like, think think about medicine a little bit. Like nowadays, we want to sell cures for everything. Because like, this is we're talking about snake oil, and I was just thinking, you know, the modern snake oils <laughs> um, of many varieties. Uh, you know, if if you have an illness or a disease or something. Um, and you're suffering from it. And someone says to you, I've got the cure in a, a experimental and very, very expensive pill, but it's going to fix you. All you got to do is pay the money and I'll give you the cure. That's one person on one hand. And then you have someone on the other hand saying, you know what the reality is? We don't know how to cure this. And what I can do is help you to learn to find whatever light and, and joy or truth or, or whatever meaning there is in life, the way it's going to be for you. And I can't change it. Um, I, I feel like that latter is what Christianity says in, in response to this kind of suffering. And the former is, is what a kind of Gnostic or a cult or a conspiracy theory says, like, I'll fix it for you. And we, Christianity is like, we, uh, no, we're not going to fix it for you. It's not going to be fixed. You're going to go right through it. You're going to drill right down into it. And it's via that, that you will die on a cross. And that, that is, is where your it's, resurrection will It come. sounds like you're suggesting that the, the modern pharmacological industry is the real conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right back to where we started, though, the real, the tricky thing is it's not always, it is sometimes, and it's not always. So how the hell are you going to know? Yeah, but the, like, the idea, I mean, I've mentioned this comment before uh, on the podcast, earlier on the podcast, um, but a friend of mine who's who's a, who's a physician, you know, reflecting on the fact that okay even if even if you come to the hospital and you got a you got a problem with your ticker and i can help you you know get get your heart pumping properly again there still is this question of you know lingering question of why the heck did this happen to me uh you know what am i doing here um and and in fact um like the the whole you know there it's the there is this kind of suggestion, this conspiracy that as long as you take the pills, your life and your, as long as your body works and medicine can help you make sure that your body works, as long as we're doing that, then you should be fine. 
And it's in fact not the case at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's something that we've we've explored in, in the past. But um, yeah, I mean, my point was it really was not to necessarily impugn the, the the pharmacy industry, although that's fair in many cases. I mean, you know, I I have a lot of hesitations about psychiatric medications, given my own experiences with psychology and psychiatry. Um, I, I, <laughs> uh, but so there, I think there's a lot out there that's, um, basically snake oil, modern snake oil that might be, you know, physiologically reactive in whatever ways they claim it to be, but may or may not actually be helping you to accomplish anything. Um, and you know, I'm not the only one who thinks that the, the trouble is that, that a, a lot of things are exactly what they claim to be, you know, penicillin was a miracle drug that blew people's minds. Antibiotics are freaking amazing. I mean, stuff that we just don't even worry about at all anymore. Cutting yourself on a rose in your garden, that used to, that could be the end of you. Now you'd be like, what? I mean, the worst case scenario, I guess it gets infected and then you got to go to the hospital or get it, you know, just go to your doctor, get a bottle of pills and you're fine. I mean, that's incredible. And and the reason I, I say all that is because like it goes, it goes back to that point. Like if the guy comes along and says, here, I've got this miracle cure. Um, sometimes he seems like he's right sometimes, you know, and on the analogy of medicine. And this is where the angels and demons, like I said, are running really close together. Somebody might come along and say, you know, uh, what your real problem is. It's uh, I don't know. It's a acedia, you know, you're, you're um, being overcome with, uh, with the vice of acedia. And what you need to do is, uh, I don't know, pray eight times a day or something. I don't know, whatever. And give you kind of a prescription, a spiritual prescription. And it might be exactly what you need. Um, but they might come along and say, you know what you need to do? You need to follow me down to South America and then drink some Kool-Aid. It's really hard. <laughs> It's hard to know before before what what you're going to get, but I think there's something there's something remarkable to me in how little Christianity promises real Christianity, how little it promises, while also promising everything. I don't know. I don't know if I'm even articulating myself. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Like, I think <laughs> you know the 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 digression into into um farm into the pharmaceutical industry. It's just about that, like, you know, one of the, it, it seems like one of the, in, in the course of this conversation, one of the fundamental patterns we're pulling out is that, that conspiracy, that conspiracy, conspiracy theories, you know, follow is a much, much commoner pattern that of, you know, the promise of the, of the hidden, the promise of the hidden cure, the promise of the hidden solution, Right. That like this, that there's a, there's a kind of secret identification, you know, an identification of 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 where the true problem lies behind appearances, and that goes along with a suggestion of a cure, right? A suggestion of a solution. If you do this, if you follow me, if you take this, um, you know, you're going to be better. It's going to help you out. That that's that's a common pattern for all these things that conspiracy theories themselves participate in. So so that's the question. That's the question. What's truly going on? Well, maybe we should tackle that question in the second half. And what to do about it? What's truly yeah. going on, and what to do about it? <laughs> well, let's figure that out in our in our second half. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do it. 
All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Men Among Demons. Uh, as always, you can catch the second half of each episode by joining us at patreon.com slash men among demons. That's $5 a month membership opens up second half content for everyone. And this is a taste of what you'll hear in the second half today. In all cases, they sort of can triangulate like you have this, you know, this science in the COVID example, science versus anti-science or something like that. Um, but also, you know, this mentioned that there are leftist conspiracy theory, you know, theories as well. Like all, like mm-hmm. you can probably, you could probably plot all of these kinds of things on a map, um, some kind of map and, you know, find this theme of, of cultic political movement, public movement towards the gaining of control or the securing of control. At least I've got mm-hmm. my guns. I can take care of myself. Or as mm-hmm. long as you're, as long as you're masking and get your vaccine, then yeah. know, you should be fine. Or, uh, you know, as long as you like are able to protest or, you know, whatever it is, hold down statues and, and, and whatever, like there's, there's, there is ritualistic behavior being undertaken in the direction of, of control. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks once again for joining us. See you, Greg. See you on the other side, Dan. Your support makes this podcast possible. Find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash men among demons for exclusive content and to join the conversation. 